I'm so glad you're here with us on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you. It's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, you've got kids. There's something that I got to make sure you're doing the right way, not the wrong way. And later, more and more Americans are doing something that the experts said wasn't going to happen. Buying homes. I'm going to tell you why the trend is happening, what it means to you and your wallet as a renter or a would-be home buyer. I want to talk right now about something that is an article of faith, and that is that as you age, you save more of a percent of your pay for retirement, that you maybe in your 20s, maybe in your 30s, you got a lot of other things going on, and retirement seems like it's a million years away. So maybe you're not so into saving for retirement. But then, and this is something I've said forever, is that once you hit age 40, you're more likely to focus on saving for retirement. Well, I am wrong, 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 according to a new study done at Stanford University that finds that regardless of if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, that the average amount that people put aside of each dollar they make for retirement, the average is four cents. Four cents of each dollar. Regardless of which age band, they have it divided out by age band in the Stanford study, and it shows this average. Now, what does change is the percent of people that are saving a dime of each dollar they make does actually go up as you get older. But you take the overall pie of people in each age range and average out what people are saving, it still stays stays in the range of four cents to each dollar. Now, the fact, four cents of a dollar saved is not enough for you to be able to create financial security for yourself later in life. And it's possible, depending on your personal circumstance, there just isn't any there there. There may not be any spare money for you to put aside for your future because of what you earn versus what basic living costs are. But for most of us, it's all a matter of priorities. We choose whether we want to spend money for today or we want to save it for tomorrow. And that is completely your choice. The reality is, if you were saving through your working lifetime four cents of each dollar you make, it means that you're going to have a really long working lifetime. Or at an age that maybe you're not able to work or you choose not to work anymore or you lose your job or whatever and you're older, life is going to be really difficult because you can't get by just on what Social Security pays. So this is not a guilt trip. It's not designed to be one. 
it's just a fact that it's your choice. The more you save gives you more choices later in your life. The less you save, well, it gets tougher along the path. Susan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Susan. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. How can Um, I be of service, Susan? I have a question regarding online rental payments. Um, I'm a landlord. I have four rental properties, and one of my tenants was interested in doing payments of rent online. I don't know anything about it, so I was wondering, what do you think about that? Is that a good idea? Is it safe? Um, well, actually, it's a lot better for you as a landlord to do that because uh, I found as a landlord, I don't want to spend my time chasing a tenant for his or her rent. So my tenants always have to pay electronically. And okay. so mine are set up where they use bill pay service and they just pay the rent automatically. But not everybody is going to want to do that or use this bill pay. And that's why uh, popular service with landlords is Cozy, C-O-Z-Y. Now, they have a weird, um, uh, they have a weird internet address. It's Cozy.co. Cozy.co. You typing right now or writing? Yes, yes. I'm writing. All right. So if you later go look at Cozy... They offer rent collection for free. It's free for the tenant, and it's free for you to receive the money. Okay. And the reason is Cozy really is about selling a suite of services to landlords, but you don't have to buy anything from them. And so in order to attract landlords, they offer the free rent payment service. Okay. Are the payments clear immediately, or yeah, is there a lag time it, between no, that? No, it's, it's ACH, so it's automatic. And the payments made to you, the money is collected funds immediately. Oh, okay. So you don't Good have deal. to worry about a bounce check or anything like that. Perfect. So Thank you very much. Uh, sure. And I just want to know quickly, do you enjoy being a landlord? Most of the time. <laughs> That's the truth, isn't it? <laughs> there's there's some friends out there that aren't friends anymore because Aww. of what they've done. So, but, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, people are people. So Right. Well, I'm sorry about that, but I'm glad that most of the time it's a good experience. So, Joel, who has four rental properties, four? That's right. Yep. One duplex and three single family homes. So actually, you have five? Five doors, yeah. Five. Oh, listen to you. You sound like a hotelier with five keys. That's how the real estate investors talk, Clark. Come on. So you got five doors. How many times over all these years you've been a landlord have you had a problem with a tenant who doesn't like to pay his or her or their rent? You know, it's not usually that that they don't like to pay or they're trying to avoid it. It's just I have had one situation in particular where it... Uh, a tenant fell on tough times and so I, yeah, I like them a lot they're a great tenant and you just try to work with them the best you can um, to try to work towards getting back into paying on time so that's worked you you gave some slack and it worked out for the tenant and for you yes and it was also partly because he'd paid on time so well for a couple of years it really was a tough time it wasn't him being a bad guy you know 
And that's the difference renting from uh, an individual landlord versus from a big real estate group or apartment complex. No matter how much they like you, they're not going to work with you. But you just got to make sure you're never a pushover either. Wes is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Wes. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Wes. You have an unusual question for me, don't you? Yes. Uh, Recently, in a moderately respected local newspaper, I read about the possibility of effectively renting out one's very good credit score. Um, I'm sure you understand the mechanics of how that happens, and I was wondering about your opinion of it, whether there is any risk to doing it, uh, if you think it's a good idea or not. So is this where you allow someone authorized user status on existing accounts that you have? Exactly so. Okay, and so you're not doing this for a family member or a friend. This is where you're doing it for a stranger and they pay for being able to piggyback on your good credit. Oh, yes. This is completely mercenary. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to make my credit work for me in the same way I want my money to work for me. That's your money blowing to smithereens, not doing what you intend. Okay. I would never, ever, not ever do one of these ventures where you are essentially renting your good name to a stranger. I mean, there are perfectly legitimate circumstances where for a family member, uh, maybe, maybe for a friend, but for a family member for sure, where you help them establish a good credit record, but I would not do one of these things where you're lending your reputation to a stranger because you never know once that, let's say that stranger is somebody who's not on the up and up or ethical at all. You haven't given them the plastic, and that's how this is pitched, where you're safe, right? Yes. But if they know who you are and they know your great credit standing, if somebody is not on the up and up, you're then opening up the possibility that they are going to create mischief in your good name. And the risk level is just too high for you to be involved in renting your good reputation. Imagine. I rather thought you'd say something like that. You did think I say that? I thought so, but you know, if it was a good possibility, I was open to it, but I wanted to check with you first. Yeah. It makes me very uncomfortable. The other aspect of it is you make somebody an authorized user on one of your cards. Okay. And you're in possession of the card. They don't have it. Well, what happens if they call up and impersonate you with, let's say, Chase or City or whoever, who you've made them an authorized user on the card? They have the account number. They got all that stuff, potentially, from their credit report. And they call up and say, uh, uh, pretend to be you and that the card has been stolen. And they get a duplicate card. And you don't even know. You have made them legally an authorized user. You're fully liable for whatever they would charge up. 
if they ever had just the information from the card without even the physical plastic, they could have a field day shopping online. Can you imagine? Okay, try to imagine this. You call up American Express or whoever the issuer is, and you say, well, actually, I wasn't giving them credit. I was just renting my credit to them, and so they weren't really an authorized user. Can you imagine? Yeah, I I assume my account would be closed as well. Uh, You know, who knows what they do with that, but the big problem is you have authorized them legally, fully legally binding to be an authorized user, and you're liable for every penny that they might cause a problem with. And that overrides, uh, in a CNP situation where the the risk resides with the merchant? Completely. Okay. Yeah, so you are the one liable, not the merchant. Right. Because remember, you did authorize. I mean, what are you going to say? Well, I authorized them, but I didn't authorize them. I mean, you're fully legally on the hook. That's the thing that's so cool about being an authorized user. You're not responsible for the debt as an authorized user, but you have the full privilege to charge. And that's why these things that are promoted is a great way for you to make money. Oh, boy. It is just the risk level is through the roof. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that I've got to make sure you're aware of. It's when you're saving money for your kids. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So, if you're trying to save money for children, in college is going to be part of their future. There's one way to save superior to all others. And this isn't even gray. It's something known as a 529 plan. 529 plans allow you to put money in that in some states will get you a state tax deduction, others you won't. But the beauty of it is it allows your money to grow tax-free, and then it's spent tax-free on eligible college expenses. In fact, in many states, even though I don't recommend it being used this way, you can use up to 10000 a year towards private school for kids up to 12th grade. But the real benefit is getting the tax savings from letting the money grow year after year in a 529 plan that is going towards college. So with a newborn, you've got a pretty long window to start putting money in. The beauty of 529 plans is you can put in from very little money, like 15, 20, 25 bucks, to many thousands of dollars, they have that flexibility, and you can add to them pretty much when you wish. And this is such a great thing that people then throw away a lot of the benefit of. I'm stunned that the nation's largest of these 529 plans is a high commission plan being pushed by stockbrokers around the country where you end up behind every dollar you put in, you end up with less than a dollar right away from the massive fees and commissions involved. No one should ever, 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 not ever buy a 529 plan any other way but direct. 
where you buy it commission-free, not through a stockbroker, not through a commission salesperson. And the lowest cost plans, the ones that will make you the most money over time, are direct sold plans. I have a 529 plan guide at Clark.com. Go check it out. I tell you which are the good plans you should go into. And you can directly link from my guide into putting money in one completely commission-free. The only way money should ever go in a 529 plan. And that's really the end of story. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. So I want to talk about something that is a trend reversal. There's one that economists, it's hard to be an economist, thought was a permanent shift in the economy, that the percent of people that would be homeowners in the United States that fell so much after the banking scandals of last decade and the uh, following on foreclosure crisis in the U.S., that so many people would choose never to buy a home again, and people who would normally be in the pool of first-time homebuyers would say, this is too hot to handle, I'm going to stay a renter. And that was a trend that looked like it was where we were headed as the percent of Americans who own their own home dropped and dropped and dropped for a number of years. And now a new report from the Census Bureau finds that that has strongly reversed. And although home ownership is not up to where it was on the eve of the commencement of the banking scandals last decade, home ownership rates are back into more normal historical ratios. And roughly close to two out of three people who are in the pool are owning or buying instead of renting. And I'm not saying that the one-third of people who rent should be owners. There are many good reasons to be a renter. But the shifts that have taken place that are significant and important if you've been on the fence about buying a home is that if you would like a sense of permanence in your life, the number of properties for sale has actually become more favorable at lower price points in many parts of the country. I mean, there's a certain local factor to real estate, and when I talk about this in generalities, there will always be local markets that what I'm saying will not be true, that home prices remain out of reach. Think of a lot of coastal California communities as an example, where the ability to afford a home remains out of reach of so many people. But as a general trend around the country, home affordability has gotten better. Mortgage rates, although they bumped up just a touch lately, are still in very favorable historical territory with 30-year mortgage rates generally around 4.5%, a little less, a little more for people with solid credit. And that translates into a relatively affordable monthly payment for a home compared to more historical mortgage numbers. I mean, I remember uh, when 
mortgage rates dropped to 8% in the United States, people thought that was unbelievably low. And today, a mortgage rate of 8% would be like, what? Who would ever have a rate that high? So we lose perspective how attractive today's rates are. Having said all that, if you're considering looking for a home and you want to get the most value for your money, and this is something that I talk about with first-time home buyers repeatedly, buying a used home gets you far more value per square foot than buying a new one. Used homes are a better deal. And there's another reason I really like used homes. They tend to be in a neighborhood that's already built out and established, and you know what you're dealing with. When you buy in a new community, in a new home, you don't know where fair market value is going to settle. But as far as buying a home, in order to protect yourself as best as possible, I want you only buying a home versus being a renter when that ownership cycle is one that you there's no certainty in life, but that you're looking at a place that you would own for seven years or longer. Now, an attraction right now to renting is that because the market shifted some, more people become homeowners, and a lot of apartments were overbuilt in so many communities of the country, that rents have moderated in any of a number of communities around the country, rents have dropped. So if you are a current renter and you don't have a great deal where you're renting now, go shop the competition starting about six weeks out from when your lease is up. Put your business in play, and especially if you're willing to move, you're willing to put up with that inconvenience, you may get a much better deal on renewal of your lease where you are or somewhere else when you're willing to walk you have much more power in the marketplace. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You want to talk about homes? Yes, sir. What's the scoop? Well, I, uh, I own a home. I mean, I, I still owe money on my home. I've lived here for 20 years, and I'm thinking of selling and buying a condo. Um, I wanted your opinion, and I know there are condo fees of like $250 a month, but I wanted to share from you. So a condo is a lifestyle choice that can be just right for you. Uh, But condos, from a um, purchase standpoint, are more risky than a home. Because condo values tend to... uh, go up and down at greater rates than a single-family home. So a move from a home that you've known and been in for 20-plus years Uh to a condo, is there's such a convenience factor with a condo. A lot of the things you have to worry about with your own home, the maintenance, the upkeep, you don't have to fool with with a condo. You've got a condo association that you pay that... $250 a month to that deals with a lot of those things. And so it puts you in 
something kind of a hybrid between being a renter of an apartment and an owner of a place. But because the condo values uh, are more subject to moving up and down at greater rates, uh-huh. I like for a condo purchase, you know, I was just talking about looking at buying a home mm-hmm. as a seven-year decision. I like for you to look at buying a condo as a 10-year decision. Okay. Does it work for your life to live in this next place for a decade or longer? Yes, because I'm, you know, I'm uh, I'm retiring. So that would be a place I'm going to live, I guess, forever, you know? Okay. And how do you feel about the community that condo is in? Oh, it's quite... uh, it's quite decent because I have um, I have I've driven at night, you know, to make sure there's no no one hanging out, you know, not a rough crowd. I've driven there, and um, I heard they have a lot of reserves for the roof. Because when I was a realtor, I sold a condo to someone many years ago in that in that uh, apartment. I mean, that condo community. So uh, it's very well kept. You know, but of course I'm moving from a house to a condo, but I'm looking at money, you know, when I retire, I don't have, you know, bills to pay. And so you sell your house, will you be able to buy the condo for cash with what you'll clear? Yes, definitely. Fantastic. So then all you have to worry about is the condo fee and taxes, and um, and that gives you a lot more peace of mind going forward, doesn't it? Yes. So as long as you know the community, you like the community, uh, one thing that I know anyone involved with condo associations would say is you should ask to see a copy of the uh, condo books. Yes. They'll supply you with how much cash they have on hand and that kind of thing. Okay. Just to make sure that you're not going to face the dreaded special assessments. Okay. Great. Oh, that they're building you. up decent reserves and that they have. You want to see from a condo that the board has its act together enough that they have a long-term plan for oh. repair and replacement of things and that they're building the reserves for those purposes. Okay, that's great. Because what you never want to have, you said it's 250 a month, you never want to move in somewhere, then they say, by the way, there's a... $5,000 per unit assessment to do XYZ work to the place. You want to know that they have a plan, they know what kind of things are going to need repairing and replacing, and that that 250 a month the unit owners are paying is building up the reserves they're going to need for the things they plan for. Brendan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Brendan. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Brendan. You're thinking of buying a used vehicle. I am, I am. How are you uh, trying to decide on the vehicle? Well, Clark, the question I have, and I've bought vehicles in the past, new and used, is that um, whether it be a 2018 or 17, how far do you go back as far as a used vehicle? And how do you select whether private owner or buying it through a dealership? So, I mean, gosh, you have so many choices here. If you're looking at uh, potentially a 2018, the weird thing with 2018s, buying a used one, is you may be able, if you shop 
thoroughly, you may be able to get a new one at a close enough price that it would make more sense to buy a, a new 2019 or a leftover on dealer lot 2018 of what you're interested in instead of buying a 2018 used one, maybe even a 2017 used one. That generally the price advantage of buying used happens once a vehicle is three years old or older. The, okay. I, didn't, I, I knew used was a better option. I didn't realize that three-year-old was, was the price or the year. Yeah, that's kind of the break point where a three-year-old vehicle sells for enough less money and will usually have, let's say you get a three-year-old vehicle that has somewhere thirty to 40,000 miles on it. That's kind of the sweet spot for a three-year-old vehicle. Vehicles today, it's not unusual for vehicles to go 200, 250,000 miles. So if you can get a substantial enough cut in price buying one that's got three years on it, and of course always have it checked out by a mechanic as a condition of purchase, uh, you are getting a vehicle that should have uh, 80% or so of its remaining useful life but you're getting it for substantially less, usually maybe 60% of its original purchase price or less. That's where okay. the real price uh, advantage comes. Can I ask one more question sure. concerning that? Sure. The I've heard you in the past talk about different warranties on products and appliances and stuff. And a lot of times I believe you said, you know, maybe some are good, but most of them aren't worth the paper they're written, written on, or right. maybe my interpretation. What about an extended warranty for a vehicle if it's from the manufacturer? As long as it's from the manufacturer, you've got something that has value to it. And I like, uh, I mean, my preference is that even if you buy, let's say you buy a used vehicle that's still eligible for a manufacturer's extension of the warranty. You buy that. That's not enough. I really want you to have that vehicle inspected by a mechanic of your choosing, because even though the warranty may provide you some peace of mind dollars-wise, the real purpose of buying that vehicle is so it's reliable on the road. And that's yes, why sir. that's my highest priority, is that you bought a vehicle that's going to perform well, and you're not going to have to worry that it's living in the repair shop, even if you're not the one having to lay out the money. Isabella is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Isabella. Hi, Clark. It's nice to be on with you. Thank you. Sure. I'm glad to have you. You have a question for me. No one's asked me in a good while. Uh, go ahead and hit me with it. Well, I'm shopping for a cheaper auto insurance package, and uh, e-insurance gave me a good quote, so I was wondering how good they are, because I had, I had no idea. So e-insurance is all state. Yes, yeah. That's yeah, e insurance yeah, is owned by Allstate. It is is their what's known as a captive operation. They own it completely. And the quote they gave you, is it for an Allstate branded auto insurance policy or is it an e insurance branded policy? I thought policy? it was e insurance. Okay. They didn't mention Allstate at all. Okay. So uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with getting insurance from e-insurance. It's just basically 
Allstate under a different name and maybe different underwriting. But I like for you, if you're going to shop around online, that you look at policygenius.com. Genius. Yes. Yeah. Um, there have been any of a number of attempts over the years to be able to comparison shop auto insurers, and it's there's never been uh, one site you can go to where you can shop all the different insurers because a lot of insurers don't want you to be able to comparison shop. But yeah. Policy right. Genius seems to be moving along that path fairly decently where you can compare a number of insurers through them and and I would say at least use it to compare what you're going to be quoted what you have been quoted by insurance to see what you can do and I don't know if you've gotten a quote from Progressive no I haven't Progressive does a thing where they'll shop for you and quote you and in order to get more credibility with people They'll show you comparisons with some other insurers as well. Oh, so okay. I love it that you're shopping online, and the more you shop around, the more you're going to get good information. Just make sure that if you use Policy Genius or you go shop on Progressive, that you put in for the same exact coverages as insurance quoted you, so right. you know you've got everybody on an equal footing. Yes, yes, I understand that. Yeah. And have you had any tickets or accidents in the last three years? Yes, that that was a problem. I had an accident Ah. in November. Okay, so that's going to make it... a a four-car pileup. Oh, I'm sorry. And I was the first one. (laughs) But you were not hurt, I hope. No, no one was hurt. Well, that's the important thing. So as you shop around, that could be a factor. And you'll see as you do shop, different insurers will treat that differently as you're shopping. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.